Sweeter Rolls once again. Welcome back, dear listeners. We are back with more interviews now. This time today I'm here joined by none other than Joe O'Brien from the Glass Cannon Network. Welcome, Joe. Hello. How's it going? Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, it's it's going quite well actually. It's uh, we have some fun 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 new stuff going on the podcast. So it's really it's really fun and you know working on soundtracks and writing it's uh, yeah it's just uh, life is good life is good and you yes i was very appreciative we first touched base back if i'm not mistaken in uh when we ran twilight 2000 i think it was yeah, on the exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. new game who this series and yeah. uh you sent me along some music that we used in the show and it was fantastic it was great yeah thank you so much for using it i really appreciate it it's uh, <laughs> it's a soundtrack i'm really happy with so yeah yeah it's, it's great thanks yeah my pleasure yeah. And actually, even back then, I was like, hey, I should really ask Joe for an interview. And then, you know, just things happen, things, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm like one million my... things then happen in life. Yeah, and... exactly. Yeah, so, but now we're here, finally. Uh, so that's, it's great fun and great. Thank you so much for, uh, thank you so much for taking the time and, and joining us. We really My pleasure, it. my really pleasure. So... For those uh, who don't know you, can we get a little presentation about yourself? Maybe a, a short presentation about like who's Joe, uh, like in real life, and then also a short presentation of when did you get into role-playing games and stuff like that. Sure. Uh, so, real life, I am uh, an American uh, podcaster and uh, streamer uh, who got started. Uh, professionally in uh, in New York City um, about 20 years ago or so, I got into the voiceover business. And I mm. wasn't doing voiceover. I was a, a talent agent for voiceover uh, folks. Oh, really? And so, yeah, I, I got, originally I got into, uh, it was like my first real job out of college was as an assistant in a big talent agency in New York. And I got to know a lot about voice work and microphones and recording voice talent. And I worked a lot on movie trailers and uh, TV promos, network promos, sports promos, all that kind of stuff. Uh, so I, I knew a lot of really big voiced men and women uh, who had incredible voices. Um, as much as I would have loved to work more in like video games and animation and stuff like that, that wasn't really my specialty, my boss's specialty. We worked in more in commercials, promos, movie trailers, that kind of stuff. And I did that for about 15 years and uh, kind of became an agent myself. I eventually ran the voiceover department at this company. And during that time, I was... Uh, I was representing Troy Lavalley, who is the mm. uh, CEO and usually and really the main GM of the Glass Cannon podcast. Mm -hmm. And I, um, he and I were playing Pathfinder together, and we're like, "Hey, we should uh, we should record this." And over time, it just sort of exploded, and I ended up leaving my job to do this full time. So it's sort of a dream come true, and it's amazing and wonderful. And um, yeah, so that's kind of my my professional background. Gaming, I started with D&D, AD&D 2nd Edition in like mm -hmm. the early 90s. That was kind of mm -hmm. my first exposure to D&D through a good buddy of mine, who's actually our community manager at the Glass Cannon Network, McD. His dad was into like original D&D back in the 70s, and he got us uh, into it and taught us how to play it. And I just fell in love immediately, and it was, it was amazing. But then 
it just sort of faded into the background mm-hmm. in later in high school, and I never played in college or in my twenties. Early two thousands. Yeah, yes, exactly. Same story for all of us. <laughs> Coincidentally, yeah. yeah. So uh, early 2000s, the hobby, I just sort of left it behind. Didn't even know it was really out there or an option until living in New York City, I met Skid Marr from the Glass Cannon Network. Um, he and I met coincidentally. And during a, a conversation uh, at a bar, he w- he said that he played D&D. And I was like, what? You're a grown man. Well, you play <laughs> D&D. Uh, can I play? <laughs> and uh, eventually I got into his game and it just took off from there. And they were playing Pathfinder. So that was my first mm-hmm. uh, like exposure to Pathfinder. And then I started running a game and it just started boiling over. So that was probably about 10 years ago now. So I would say about 10 years straight I've been playing. And it wasn't until mm-hmm. um, 2020, it wasn't until COVID hit that I really, for the first time ever, really started delving into other RPG systems. Like Mm. I had always just played sword and sorcery, D20, Mm. fantasy. Like even when I was in middle school, my friends and I just played D&D. It was the only thing we played. Uh, I knew there were other games around, but uh, that was just the only one that we we ended up playing and, uh, or I ended up playing. And so, yeah, now it's just like, it has exploded, obviously. And you and I have discussed all the stuff that Free League uh, works on and everything. Mm. And it's just an amazing time for RPGs. And I'm I'm, uh, so happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. For sure, for sure. And guys like you are really a big reason, I think, to why it's been exploding as much as, as it has as well. You know, uh, actual play streams or, and or podcasts, I think, really have, a, have played a part in that, for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I've had a lot of people that have come up to me and, and said that they didn't even know anything about the hobby. They, they knew mm. the name Dungeons & Dragons but had never played before, and they really enjoyed our show because... Mm. Even if they didn't know anything about the game or the mechanics, they knew like they they just understood the comedy and the camaraderie and yeah. the the fun of the, the improv storytelling. storytelling. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and sometimes the dramatic storytelling, but mostly what hooks them in is the comedy storytelling yeah. and and the ability <laughs> to take something like that fantasy setting and something that's yeah. so serious and make it funny by you know yeah. just cross breeding it with modern day sensibilities and stuff like that yeah. it was just a good source of comedy so uh, yeah. uh and then and then they want to play mm. you know then they want to get into a game or get into a group and start mm. playing themselves so it's yeah. been great seeing the hobby expand yeah. like that and also people who used to play back in the 80s or early 90s who haven't played because of real life and because of adulthood or kids or whatever who had a hiatus for decades and and they discover uh, an actual play and then they just go like, oh, I remember this. I want to get back into this as well. Right. For people that couldn't randomly meet Skid in a bar, they they have this other opportunity to realize the hobby is not only still out there, but it's better than ever. Yeah, exactly. To me, the key is camaraderie and friendship and and that chemistry around the table, Mm. because that's what made your individual games great. Even when you were kids or when you were adults, it doesn't matter. You knew when you were in a bad group. You knew when you were in a game that was going to die. You know, you can feel that. And it's the same way with shows. So yeah, and also I think also that that the 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 um, you know leaning into the comedy, even though I think that I mean the if you look at the like the top 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 notch guys like you guys or uh, you know Taz or Critical Role, I mean what's really the common denominator there is you know the ability to have a heavy focus on comedy, but when you do dramatic scenes, they are also fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, 
the the ability to do both to do a dramatic scene of 20 or 30 minutes which which really you know rips your heart out as a listener uh but then the the um, default setting if you will is you know comedy camaraderie around the table you know yeah i i, I appreciate you saying that about our stuff i it's it's not really i i think for a lot of the the people in our group it comes from a a lot of experience in entertainment. I mean, I was mm. never an actor myself, but I do have a lot of experience in entertainment. And yeah. some of the other guys are actors and actual writers. Mm. And I think one of the ba most basic formulas that you see in in that business of things that a basic structure that just works mm. is, is pretty much always funny, 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 sad. Yeah. Like that is just a basic formula that usually always works. Keep mm. them laughing, keep them laughing, keep them laughing, and then bring a tear to their eye and they'll never forget you. You yeah, know, that is, exactly, you yeah. can't just be all goofy all the time. That is mm. just not our style at all. Mm. And uh, if you never laugh, then what are you doing? <laughs> you know exactly. I mean, yeah. in terms of playing yeah. RPGs together, like that's why I did it when I was a kid. I remember being a kid and just, my all, my memories are not of the biggest battles, the biggest defeats, the biggest bosses, mm. the biggest wins. Mm. My memories are just of howling laughing around mm. the table, mm. like just mm. being awful sixth yeah. grade boys yeah. and so stupid yeah. and uh, and making the silliest, most ridiculous jokes and just cracking ourselves up and just being nerds. You know, it was, it yeah. was great. Do, trying the most ridiculous moves to, to solve the latest <laughs> puzzle or having the most ridiculous NPC come at you from the, from the game master. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Sure. So, um, yeah, the Glass Cannon Network, yeah, because that's basically what, what we call you now, because you have so many shows that, mm -hmm. that it's, it is a network, uh, for sure. Uh, how did it all start, and when did it just explode? Did it explode right from the... Because I think I found you guys when you were a year or maybe two into it. It was when you started your Starfinder uh, campaign. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we started in 2015 um, it, with the Glass Cannon podcast, which is still mm. the, the flagship show. Mm. And it was just a, a podcast where we decided to start a new Pathfinder adventure path and record it. <clears throat> and we started the Giant Slayer adventure path, which had just come out at that time, and decided to record it. And it started because Troy was like, why don't we record our game that we normally play and have a great time and laugh out loud at? And uh, it, we, he thought this would be really good content. And then I sort of added in uh, my expertise of uh, from voiceover work, from uh, equipment and mm. wiring and mixing boards and the way that people usually recorded uh, mm. professional television commercials and, and uh, videos and stuff like that. And I, I got a, started to get a handle on that. And then... Uh, we brought in Grant Berger, who I didn't really know at the time. He was a friend of Skids, but I had played in in a game with him once for like a session and like a one shot. Um, and we brought him in and didn't realize at the time that he was a professional like videographer and video editor. So that really helped mm -hmm. too to get a perspective on he had a lot of audio experience as well. And so we... Get, you know, sat around a room in my in my living room in in my apartment in New York with. Um, you know, each just having our own microphones, which was kind of novel at that time. Most people mm. were doing podcasts with just one mic in the middle yeah, of the room. Yeah. Uh, and those individual mics really elevated the sound a lot. Mm. I mean, looking back, it sounds nowhere near as good as it did once we got into a studio. But yeah, it sounds yeah. pretty good, uh, you know, for a bunch of people that are totally amateurs just getting started. And so 
it took off pretty quick. Uh, we released in June of 2015. We were on New and Noteworthy in uh, iTunes at the time, now Apple Podcasts, like very quickly within a matter of two weeks. Mm. And we started getting messages from people that we didn't know, which was really shocking. But at the time, our big push was like getting every single person we knew to download the show, mm. even if they weren't even going to listen to it. Mm. We just shamelessly asked everybody. I remember going around my office, just walking into people's cubes and yeah. being like, can like, I get on your computer your for a give second? Me your phone. Give me your phone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And just like, give me your phone, give me your phone. Exactly. Downloading the show, downloading mm. the show, downloading the show, just to trigger those alg algorithms that it would mm. rise to the top of mm. gaming for a bit. Mm. And it did. And and people found mm. us that way. And we started getting messages from people we didn't know mm. saying, uh, we, you know, they like the show and stuff like, oh, this is really really cool. And, uh, but the show had a lot of problems that we didn't realize, you know, when we first started, uh, there are thir certain things that you, certain things that you do when you live in your own insular world of only you and your friends are the only people you ever talk to or hear from. And, mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, we got critiques early on that were like, oh, so maybe this isn't the best way to play our game for a massive audience. So we started to change it uh, a little bit and evolve. Mm. And I think it just got better and better uh, over the course of the next couple of years. So basically, we knew we had something right out of the gate, but it was kind of a slow burn over two years. But while we didn't we didn't monetize or anything like that, mm. we just kind of did the show every week mm. and um didn't really know how to monetize exactly legally just because we were using, we were playing Giant Slayer. Mm. We were not playing a homebrew. So it was mm. like, this is all copyrighted IP. You know, yeah, how are we yeah. going to make this happen? So we had to get Paizo on the phone, essentially. Mm. And at that time, Paizo didn't know who we were. And we had to just keep, pardon me, we had to just keep knocking on the door and knocking mm. on the door and cold calling and cold calling mm. until eventually they took a meeting. Mm. And uh, they were like, you know, no one's ever done this before with Pathfinder. We don't really know how to proceed with a license for this. Let's yeah, let's talk it yeah. out. And uh, we started working together on on how to make it work. And we made it work and launched a Patreon. And it was really within the first few months of the Patreon, we started making money, monetizing it. Mm. And that and that money kind of went directly into the production mm. of Androids and Aliens, which is what you uh, you had just mentioned. Mm. So Androids and Aliens released, I want to say, in the first months of. 2018, I believe. Something so we launched right, the Patreon yeah. in 2017 yeah. for about six months. We collected, uh, we collected funds from the Patreon to sort of get a bankroll going. And then in August of 2017, we announced Starfinder and Dead Sons and that we would be playing it. Mm. And then the show actually released, I believe, in January of that next year. Mm. So right around there um, is where it really started to expand. And then we found a lot of people through Androids and Aliens. Mm. And then from 28 from January 2018 if you go another 2 years we uh, now we're in a studio and we're doing multiple shows we have Patreon um, exclusive podcasts and then covid hit and when COVID hit, it changed everything. Our studio got shut down. Mm. We pivoted to doing a lot of new games and practicing mm. with new systems. That's when and, who dis? Uh, um, yeah, new game like, who dis? Yeah. New, yeah. That's when we started New Game Who Dis, and that's where we first really got exposed to the amazingness of Free League. Uh, I ran Alien, the role-playing game. I ran Twilight 2000. Mm. Uh, Matthew ran... Um, uh, what is the one with the... Um, uh, oh, my gosh. The kids. Uh, oh, Tales I, I, from the Loop. 
Yes, yes. Tales yeah. from the Loop. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, we just loved everything. Uh, Troy ran Merkborg. Uh, mm. You know, everything that was coming out of there was so good. And we had a great mm. time learning those new games. And then, um, and that just sort of expanded our repertoire in a different way. And we got a lot of new audiences from that. Call of Cthulhu, we'd never played mm. before. Delta Green, we had never played before. Mm. And so playing all these games uh, just really, I think, is what really turned it into a network uh, where now we've got, you know, any... I mean, if you look at our back catalog, you know, we've got 25 different series that you could listen to. But right yeah. now uh, we have like se seven or so solid series that you can listen to that are kind of ongoing or seasonal, mm. uh, but ongoing campaigns in different systems. Mm. Yeah. And that's yeah, that's that's that sounds like a dream to me who, you know, we we release weekly episodes and every time I want to try a new game, we have to pause one of the others. So it's, like, it's, 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 oh, totally. It's, yeah, totally. Um, and the only way that we could expand to the way that we have now is by bringing in new people. We couldn't just be the group that was sitting around mm -hmm. in my living room anymore. It yeah. just wasn't feasible. And so we had to meet new gamers. And like we said at the top of the show, it's not always easy. Chemistry is mm -hmm. a really important thing. It doesn't yeah, matter it if they're a good player. It doesn't matter if they're a good actor. Mm -hmm. They need to be a good performer and a good mm -hmm. player and fit in with our kind of game style, you know? Yeah, and so yeah. in order to find people that, you know, we worked well with, um, mm -hmm. we just, we had to cycle through and, and find, uh, and find those performers. And, um, it's been, it's been really awesome to expand the people we play role-playing games with that. Yeah. That is one of the, the joys of, of my job. So, um, yeah, uh, well, being a professional role player then, you know, that's that's not a title you'd thought. <laughs> Sounds would, crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> back in the 90s, say that to someone back then, yeah, he's a professional role player. That's, uh, yeah. I mean, back then, a dream would be even to, you know, work on a role-playing game or write it, even though not many people were, but to be able to play it as a profession would be even more a, a dream job. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to have to ask you some expert questions here. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know if I have expert answers. I'll do my best. I'm going to try and segue this with one of our questions from our patrons, actually. I'm going to try and combine it because uh, I had a question for you. But like, if, like, do you have any you know, tricks of the trade on how to come up with fun or cool character creation uh, stuff? But then Bjorn, one of our patrons, uh, had a question as well which was a little bit more specific, so I'm going to phrase it in his words instead. Uh, he would like to know how you, how, you, how you come up with your character's idea, character ideas, especially because you have quite interesting personalities. For instance, Nico, the unfiltered tiefling who aspires <laughs> to become a god. Where did that come from? <laughs> uh, great question. I think Nico is, is a very good example of... The basic things that I that I try to do when I make a character, um, the first one is uh, is really the hook. Um, I, I try to make something that is, you know, this isn't rocket science, but you'd be surprised how many people enter into a game with an idea of a backstory and a mechanical build, but don't have a hook. Mm -hmm. a, a hook is really, to me, it means it's something that is interesting, not only to you, but to your GM mm -hmm. and to other players that is also easy to explain in an elevator pitch in one line, like you just said it about Nico. Mm. If I just say to you, I've got a character and he wants to become a god, mm. it's immediately interesting, it grabs your attention, mm. and you kind of can already start to 
see the personality yeah, that yeah, you're yeah. going to be dealing with, right? And as a GM, um, you get, you know, like these very nefarious plans right, yeah. right from the get-go. Exactly, exactly. And so what I sort of, what I did with Nico is I, uh, I, I figured out a, uh, for it start, usually with me it starts with class. I usually work backwards from the mechanics. So I have a class I want to play or something I want to try out. I dig into the, you know, kind of suggestions or I read guides online for best builds and stuff like that and kind of mm -hmm. get an idea of what people think synergizes well in terms of feats, abilities, because at least in the, Nico was a Pathfinder 1E character. There were so many options mm. by the time I came around. Uh, so what it started with, I wanted to, I knew I wanted to try a cultist. That was, that was a new class that had come out with a cult adventures, I believe it was called. And I, I was like, all right, I want to try this class out. So I'm going to read and delve into this class. So as I delved into it, I saw, you know, you want to be kind of an intelligence build. It's an intelligence based class and, and it uses, you know, cast magic using this, that, or the other thing. And, uh, I, Pick tiefling just because it synergized well with the you know because they got a bonus to intelligence it was very like mechanical to start and so I, I got kind of a base there then I just started thinking about what would it be like to be an extremely extremely intelligent tiefling uh, and I felt like this person would clearly be an outsider right which is a very first base and not a mechanical outsider but like mm. a social outsider uh, that's the first thing that I thought of with a tiefling and somebody who's like incredibly incredibly intelligent might also have another added layer of difficulty fitting mm. in with people because he's mm. just he's at a level above everyone around yeah. him and yeah. no one likes him which is like yeah. a bad just because of the way he looks so it's a bad combination so I felt that early in his life he might have been an outcast and sort of shunned and uh, not been around a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so I think he just like in, introverted into himself so much that uh, he didn't have community goals. He didn't have saving people as a, as a priority. He mm. didn't have like doing good in the world as a priority. Mm. And then I just sort of leaned on the Galarian lore, the basis for the Galarian lore, because it just it, it occurred to me. That it was really funny that they have this idea that you can, if you can cross the bridge to the Starstone, you can be become a deity, essentially, mm -hmm. uh, because this is what, uh, uh, um, what's his name did, uh, not Andor, what's his name, uh. I forget the main one of the primary human deities of the world uh, did this, uh, raised the star stone from the bottom of the lake or whatever. And then the inheritor, Iomade, like did the same test, passed it and became a goddess. And and so I was like, well, why not me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah. And so I was pulling a little bit from that lore and I just figured highly intelligent, socially ostracized, uh, has no interest in getting along with people. And then it's like, why don't I just become a God so I can control mm -hmm. everyone anyway. And then I don't have to worry about, you know, like yeah. being, um, so, cause I think he was also bullied. He was also kind of mm -hmm. like always, uh, pushed down in his life. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I'm going to outsmart all of you. And then I'm going to be in charge. You know, that was the kind of the idea. So during the character creation process, what were your like pre-plans of how would I fit this guy into a group? Because you also have to function in a group. If that's the if that's the 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 the, the, the idea that you know nobody likes him and he thinks he's above everyone else and he wants to become even higher above everyone else, like uh, because you know uh, as a GM I would think like okay, my initial thought would be like okay how would you how would I introduce you to a group and how would you stay with a group? without, you mm -hmm. know, um, shoehorning him in too much. 
It's a good question. It is not something that I worry about uh, at the time of, at the time of building. Uh, mm -hmm. I I try to build my characters outside of now mechanically. I try to build characters that are where whose skills are needed in the group. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a huge mm -hmm. fan of session zeros. I don't mm -hmm. like everybody just coming to the table with like whatever you feel like, and then yeah. we just see how it happens. Like yeah. I understand why people enjoy that. I don't. I no. per personally I prefer a balanced party. Yeah. I like to have. Mostly because I'm just a huge fan of the party, right? I'm yeah, a huge fan yeah, of yeah, like, yeah. there's a face and there's a sneaky rogue and there's somebody that takes care of magic and there's somebody that Attempt, beats people's yeah. skulls in. Like, mm -hmm. I am just a fan of that basic idea. Yeah. Uh, have we? Th have I thrown rocks at that? Have we thrown rocks at that at the network? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Have there been great moments with that, with multiple fighters or too many clerics? A hundred percent, but it's yeah. been fun. Yeah, yeah. But if you ask me what my baseline thing that I look forward yeah. to is, it is that evenly balanced party. And so I will build based on that. And then when it comes to personality, I do in general try to avoid the loner, I don't trust anybody type. I think that that is so tired. It is what mm. everybody builds when they build a character. Mm. Because in order to be an adventurer that gives up everything and risks their lives constantly, like mm. you are like the, the trauma and stress that you are putting on yourself day in and day out, if you think about it logically, is preposterous. The only yeah, yeah, person yeah. that could do that is someone who has no attachment attachments to the world yeah. and someone who is just completely ready to throw everything away on a dime. Yeah. So uh, you have to then take that logical extreme and then reason it back into this world and try to find a way to make it either, you know, you can, it's easy with good alignments to just be like, oh, I'm just going to help people. I'll risk mm -hmm. my life to help people. It's a little harder when you get into evil and neutral alignments mm -hmm. for justifying, you know, your actions. Mm -hmm. For me, uh, the, the choice for Nico, as we'll take as the main example, to be a god the reason that I chose that uh, beyond just that I thought it was funny and the hook was also that it would give him every excuse in the world to pursue every danger the AP set before him. Mm. And that is the thing that I want to justify more than mm. getting along with the party. Yeah. I want to justify somebody actually going through the dangers of an AP and having a motivation to do everything, which is really hard to, to pull. That's what Paizo does a great job of making players guides that, mm. that to these APs where you can read and get a summary of the setting. And it can give you a good idea of like a kind of character to make that would be motivated to go on this adventure. Yeah. The thing I loved about the, uh, the Nico idea was that that person would be motivated to go on any adventure that dealt with like ancient artifacts, ancient knowledge, you know, strengthening, strengthening and growing your power and everything mm. that would uh, definitely be something that could be easily uh, motivational for any kind of uh, AP. When it comes to fitting in with the group, I do not prioritize that in character creation. Mm. It's something that I do on the fly while we play because I don't know who the other players are. I, I don't know like or who the other characters are. I don't know how we're going to get along or not. I just mm. sort of like I don't try to pre-plan that. I just get in there and I start playing and I, I take what I want and my what my character wants, my character's motivations. And then I try to take it a couple layers of rationalization and reason until I get myself to being a companion with these people, even if we're not friends. Mm -hmm. So my, if my first thought is like, no, I'm not going to do that for you. I'm going to be a god. I, I immediately throw <laughs> that out of my head. I'm like, all right, I can't do that. So then what's the next way I can reason myself around to this character mm -hmm. still staying true to their beliefs and their instincts, but also 
also being a, a companion. And I, I trust myself to, to work my way there. It's just, yeah. you just have to try harder to yeah. make sure, uh, you know, it's, it's the yes end thing, mm. right? You just have yeah. to make sure that, you know, I don't always even say yes end improv because I'm, I'm never good at improving, but like, I love to try to reason my way into teamwork like mm. all the time. And so I'll just find interesting motivations around yeah. it. If I help this person, then I'll get X. Like, yeah. And if I can just reason it that way, yeah. then it, it makes sense and I'll, I'll do it live on the fly. Yeah. And both for you as a player and for the other players as well, you know, to like you can't have a group where some people are going to be, you know, obstinate or, you know, like, oh, I would never like your character because blah, blah, blah. Well then, figure that out. Right. You know, yeah, right. Like exactly. You can That's... talk. You can talk off off screen or like away from the table, and you can discuss it. If if it's a real problem, like I would never travel with this person. Well, then find a a, a situation where you would. Right. You know, the, the class, I mean, the most extreme example, right, is paladin anti paladin. <laughs> like if you have, mm. if you're a paladin, so it has an anti paladin in the group. Yeah. It is. You, there's two ways you can deal with it. You, you know, as a GM, you can be like, scrap it. We're not mm -hmm. doing it. Yeah. Or you can, if you trust your players, you can say, let's make this work because the best stories are when you have people that should not be working together by yeah. any logical reason come together to accomplish some great goal together. Those yeah. are great stories. And in order to make them work, you have to do a little extra work, you know, yeah. but then you'll get there. You'll get there if you just, there's always a way through the anti-paladin's greed or through the paladin's selflessness, mm. you can find a way to work yeah. together. It's, it's possible. Yeah. yeah. The Dragonlance uh, stories are, are very good at that, I think, you know, the, mm -hmm. the good old, um, yeah. And so when it comes to character sorry, portrayal, then, is there any tricks of the trade you want to you wanna go with there? Because I really, I mean, the, the one I've really listened to a lot, I put a lot of hours into Androids and Aliens, and I mean, your character portrayals there from all of you guys is just amazing. And also the character <laughs> voices are, you know, like top notch. <laughs> all of them. Oh, thank you so much. That yeah, Androids and Aliens, fantastic, fantastic series. That if you if you know if you're listening to this and you haven't checked out Androids and Aliens, please do. And it is a complete mm -hmm. series. It is done. It is yeah. like beginning to end. It's finished, uh, and so it's it's awesome. Rather I think recently, it's, right? Uh, yeah, it ended Grand about film. a year ago. It, it has 155 episodes. What's that long so there's, ago? I mean, time flies when you're having fun. Sorry, time flies. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it is a ton of content, but. As far as portrayal goes, you know, I mostly I just it's not helpful to people because mostly I just black out. Like when mm. I'm in the moment, I just sort of like I try to think, uh, you know, what my character wants. And then I try to say and then uh, I, once I figure that out in my head and, and, and usually it just takes a couple of seconds. Once I figure that out, I then decide, am I needed in this scene? Mm. Like, is the, is it do I need for the development of my character to be in this scene. Or the development and, of the scene. Right, or the development yeah. of the scene. If I'm adding something dynamic that has not been said or is not being mentioned at all, mm -hmm. uh, you know, should I step into this scene? And if the answer is no, I, I'm just quiet. I just don't do anything. Mm -hmm. Because what you realize is, and you mentioned this earlier about, you know, trying to role play with your friend for 30 seconds and the other seven people being like, Ugh. yeah, like people that 
only want the spotlight on them the entire time are never mm-hmm. going to work well in an RPG mm-hmm. group. You really need to let other characters have scenes. And and I just picture it as scenes, which like mm-hmm. D&D was not traditionally built that way. It still isn't mm-hmm. built that way. You kind of have to make it that way. Mm-hmm. The evolution of RPGs, like you said, in this new golden age, this mm-hmm. new golden era of RPGs, the design for the last 20 years plus has you know included many games that literally use capital S scenes yeah. to to say this is a mechanic like we move mm-hmm. through scenes together yeah. and so using that as inspiration i kind of see every one of our shows as a show as a tv mm-hmm. show yeah. and i think and I think, you know, in every TV show, all five characters are not talking to each other in every scene of, of every show. Exactly. People split off. People have their own focuses. Sometimes mm. it's even just one character and NPCs. Mm. And then I just kind of sit back and relax and, and watch it. So mm. the first thing I decide is, what is my character's opinion on this? Second thing I decide is, mm. is my opinion really important, really, in this moment? Yeah. Or is this another character's scene that I'm butting into? And if I'm butting in, I'll, I'll stay back. If I feel like I can add to the scene or it's even my scene... Uh, I then go into, we actually talked about this on a recent episode of Cannon Fodder, which we do every week on the Glass Cannon podcast feed, and it's Troy LaValle and I just discussing Pathfinder mechanics, as well as overall GM sort of, and player Mm. strategies, you know, Mm. things that you think of when you play the game. And uh, Troy mentioned this as a, a strategy of improv, which is heading into a scene, knowing where you want it to go. Like Mm. you don't, don't start it. Don't start your first line as your character until you know where you want it to go. Now, it may Mm. not go there, and that's part of the fun and the drama is the twists and turns. Mm. But don't start a scene and say a sentence if you're just like, I'm just going to like throw this out there and see what happens. Throw a bomb Mm. into the, the group and see what happens. Because basically, you are uh, you're randomizing your chance of having a good moment or or mm. moving the scene along properly, and you could get gold, sure, but there's a better chance that you're just going to get crap and like really like slow down the game. Mm. So if you don't have something in mind, I say just be quiet. I mean, to me, that's one of the mm. best parts of of character yeah. portrayal. Uh, you can portray your character a lot better if you pick your moments, and then when you we wait to that right spot and come in with a purpose and an idea. And but still be flexible enough to let that purpose change depending on what other characters mm. say. You know, you got to listen. Always got to yeah. be listening. Uh, you're going to have a much better time playing your character. Character voices are a cherry on top. They're icing. Mm. You don't need them to have a good no. scene. You know, um, uh, you know, being like a skid mar from our network style actor that is just kind of like. To me, he's like the Daniel Day-Lewis of our group. Like, <laughs> he'll disappear into a character and to watch it happen. It's just like, oh, my God. Yeah. You don't have to be like that to be good at portraying characters. Or have, you know, or having fun, you know. Yeah. Right, exactly. Like, don't get wrapped up in, in – if you want to do voices because it helps you to get in the zone, 100%. That's why mm. I do them. It mm. helps me to forget who I am and move mm. into another yeah. th- thought process. But, you know, you don't need it to, to have a good scene. I would say focus yeah. on uh, picking your moments. Yeah. Mm. So uh, moving on, do you do you have like a favorite character from like let's let's do like a short-ish answer of a favorite character from one of your longer campaigns and a favorite character from like a, a one shot, just a a character you played for five hours but just stuck there and you just love it for some reason. Uh, yeah, sure. So um, 
In terms of long-term campaigns, I think my favorite characters probably uh, that I played on the network is Sir Willamette Keswick. That was in the main show, The Glass Cannon Podcast, um, just because it was really fun for me to play like a knight. Uh, mm-hmm. I played a knight uh, who was a paladin, and it was just – it was. My sensibilities are very like my natural default, like where I start is usually lawful good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just like <laughs> playing good characters and adventures. I don't get kicks by playing evil characters. Uh, and I have experimented with it for fun to depart from my comfort zone. But my comfort zone is definitely the paladin. I just love it mm. so much. I love I love being in the front line. I love fighting. I don't love spell casting that much. Mm. I uh, And so th- that really, that character spoke to me. And it came at a time when I was really into Game of Thrones. I was mm. really into... Uh, Sir Will was largely inspired by A Knight of the Seven Kingdoms. I don't know if you yeah, ever read, I, I that. read that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Sir Duncan, right? Sir, Sir Duncan, yeah, yeah, Sir Duncan and Egg. Duncan and Egg. And, mm. and I just, I loved that story. And mm. it's not so much that Sir Will is based on Duncan at all. It's really more about like the book focuses so much on, you know, mm. knightly kind of uh, uh, the knightly code, right? Yeah. Like a code of being a knight and who's a good knight and who's a bad mm. knight and like, yeah. w- and all the different heraldry and the, mm. and the families and the histories yeah. and all that stuff. And so I took that and ran with that for my backstory, which Troy, to his credit, did a great job of like blending into the AP. And uh, there were NPCs from my family that became part of the story. And so, yeah, I, I just love that mm. character. Mm. In terms of shorter campaigns, uh, you know, I'll say it's very, very recent. Um, just a few well i'm not sure when this is airing but uh just a a month or two ago Mm -hmm. we did a a one shot live on our network that is released on the glass cannon podcast feed if you want to listen to the audio Mm -hmm. Uh, it's called friends of the pod and it was a one shot that we did in in coordination with paizo you -hmm. can actually find it on paizo's youtube channel Uh, it's called friends of the pod and it is a a one shot uh, pathfinder society module that we played um, and I built a, a first level investigator, mm-hmm. uh, which is a really cool class in 2E. Uh, mm-hmm. It has a lot of really fun mechanics. And so I really loved building the character. I was like, oh, I just want to keep playing this character. But we knew that they, the one shot was going to be, we were being called into a town to sort of uh, in like a legal proceeding mm-hmm. to like represent the Pathfinder Society and back their acquisition of a certain building or something like that. And so I built this character that is essentially like uh, like a classic, uh, like um, who was it in uh, the uh, the uh, Knives Out uh, Blanc or whatever? <laughs> Not Blanc. That's a sauce. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget his name, but basically like a Southern lawyer, investigator, a kind mm-hmm. of like vibe, yeah. mm-hmm. a classic, like mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen of the jury, far be it from me. To, and I had a ton of fun playing that, both from a role playing perspective, uh, to be a lawyer in front of a, a jury kind of thing was so fun, but also uh, the Pathfinder investigator, don't sleep on it. The 2E investigator incredibly fun, incredibly Mm. diverse in the way you can build its abilities. Mm. And uh, it it is essentially a class that I think by default, uh, I would love to play outside of the Lawful Good Paladin. My next choice would be Skill Monkey. I Mm. love Skill Monkeys. I like being able to do a little bit of everything or know a little bit of everything. So I like rogues a lot. And uh, in in 2E, the investigator can be an incredible uh, Skill Monkey. Cool. Cool. I'll keep that in at the back of my head as well, I think. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
There is an, can I just tell you about this? There is an yeah. amazing ability that the investigator has in 2E that is so cool. And it's, it's their base first level ability. And it, it's, oh, I don't remember the name of it, but basically when you are going to, to start a round, you can spend an action to roll uh, your D20 uh, attack before you actually attack. So you, you spend an action to roll the D20. Mm-hmm. Then you see, and you see the result Mm-hmm. And you then have to use that result for your next attack or for your next action. So if you roll a four, mm-hmm. you can just not do the attack and spend that next action doing something else. And the way that they do it narratively is like the investigator can see if there's an opening here to yeah, make yeah, the yeah. attack. And there there isn't right now. So you forego the attack and you buff an ally or you move into a better position or you hide behind a barrel instead of so attacking. Cool. That's cool. And then if yeah. you roll a natural 20, you know you have a crit. And you just have to get into position and yeah. then you can crit. Like yeah. it's a oh. really fun ability that makes that oh. class like, <laughs> I just want to play it so yeah. bad. Yeah. From a combat, uh, you know, tactics uh, aspect, that's that's just, yeah. Oof, getting goosebumps <laughs> here. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, do, you ha- do you have any inspirations as a player or a GM? Like, do you, do you have someone or something you watch? It could be an actor, a director. It could be someone else within the actual play community or like whatever. Someone from your group, you know? Yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, within my group, I, I think that I can keep it all in there for the most part. Mm-hmm. Role-playing, um, you know, inspirations are so hard to find. <laughs> you know, yeah. to me, it's not like... I actually don't consume a whole lot of actual play content. I'm, I'm just too busy, like, mm. playing actual play yeah. stuff. Um, but I, I, I love... I, I just take things from... I take the best of the best from the different people within my group, you mm-hmm. know, basically. Um, I love Skid's NPCs, you know, uh, the way when he GMs a game, his ability to really flesh out the world and not rush you and make you feel like it truly is an open world is mm-hmm. is so remarkable. Mm-hmm. And so I like to be able to loosen my grip a little bit on the story, let people explore and go places that... Mm-hmm. I'm not comfortable with and just sort of like keep role playing until I get comfortable, you know, uh, skid is, is fantastic at doing that. Um, I think, uh, Matthew in our group as a player makes great bold choices. And I, I like to, uh, sometimes my tactics get so far ahead of me that I, I get, I end up getting to a kind of a null result place where I'm so careful that nothing gets done. And it's not just cause I fear the death of my character. It's because I have this terrible desire to always want to win the mm-hmm. encounter, mm-hmm. which like <laughs> I think is very natural, but is also not good for role-playing games. Mm-hmm. You need to take risks. And Matthew is amazing at taking risks cause he just doesn't care. He's like hey if it turns the story in a bad way it's that's that, that's a great story you know and yeah. he his screenwriting and and playwriting background makes him so attuned to understanding how failure makes for a better story than success a lot of the times mm. and so i i like to you know aspire to to be like that as a player mm. take more I, I need to take more risks i don't do it enough yeah yeah Uh, Well, we talked a bit about uh, some of the games you've played. You mentioned some of the free league games. Uh, Mm -hmm. You mentioned Aliens, uh, Tales from the Loop, uh, Merc Boy. Yeah, we played the One Ring too. The One Ring as well. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, for sure. 
so what what are your thoughts on on those? Well, because I mean, some of them tales from the loop and alien they come from the same year zero engine basically, so they are they have a lot of similarities. Mercury is created by uh, Stockholm Cartel and yes. and and those Pelle Nilsson and those guys. So that's a completely different system. And the same with the One Ring, which is created by Francesco Napatello, based on the first edition, uh, which he also created. So that's also a totally different thing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, may, I might be. I mean, I'm a huge talking fan. All of our listeners know this. It's I I could discuss the One Ring for hours and hours. But maybe let's focus a bit more on Alien and Tales from the Loop. What you think of those games from a from a mechanical viewpoint? Maybe since that's you know something yeah. you really you know uh, like. Well, I never played Tales from the Loop, so uh, I'll recuse myself there. But I, if you're telling me Tales from the Loop is also the Mutant Zero uh, or Mutant Year Zero engine? Is that yeah, what that exactly. is? Yeah, exactly. But Twilight 2000 is also Year Zero. Uh, even they yeah. digressed a bit more on that one. But Alien and yeah, Twilight, uh, Twilight 2000. I absolutely adored the character creation. I felt like the combat mechanics were chunkier than I expected, and I wasn't really prepared for that. And it sort of slowed down some of the combats for me in a way that I didn't like as much. Mm-hmm. That to me is not a failure of the system. I, I just need more time with it, mm-hmm. um, and I do want to spend more time with that game. I, I have some ideas brewing for uh, games in that genre, or uh, not that genre, but um, some ideas for uh, you know some settings that could be where Twilight 2000 could be used that aren't the classic Twilight 2000 settings. So I'm, yeah, yeah, I've yeah. been thinking a lot about that. But Alien is the primary one, pardon me, that I know from our game from two years ago. And in fact, um, we're going to be playing Alien again really soon uh, mm-hmm. in March. Again, I'm not sure when this is airing, but March 9th, 2023, we're going to be playing Alien on Glass Cannon Labs. Mm-hmm. Uh, as of now, we're planning on playing it again, I believe, on March 22nd on Glass Cannon Labs. So there is uh, a couple Alien sessions coming, and so I've been mm-hmm. diving back in. Yeah. I love the mechanics of Alien. All I can... When we played it on New Game Who This, we played it fast and loose. We were mm-hmm. we were worried about having fun and telling a great story. We were not worried about getting the mechanics right. So mm-hmm. some of the things are a little wrong. It's not mm-hmm. by the book, by the book, but it's pretty damn close. And I'll tell you, doing it as close as we got it, it felt amazing. It really felt like the scenes were so vivid and so real. And I'm talking about the combat scenes. Like they felt narrative. They felt intense. They felt so deadly. Uh, The stress dice were an awesome mechanic, the way that they built up so quickly Mm. on the players and, and the way that the, you know, the more stress they had, the better they were at things, but also the risk of ultimately losing. Yeah. Until the shit hits the fan. Yeah. 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 I love love that that. mechanic. I, I think that, that is fascinating. And so, yeah, I mean, the most that I can say about it is when it when it came down to it, uh, the scenes that the mechanics generated out of combat felt so truly mm. alien uh, in, in, you know, capital A alien way mm. that it just it put us right there. And I, I, I really liked I really liked the system. I also like the basis of the of the ability scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember now, but isn't it? It's like, well, I guess in, in 12, 2000, it's is it? No, it's wits. Empathy and like strength and dex or something like like that, right? Yeah, it's like strength, agility, s- or they, they, strength, they, agility, they wits, up the names and empathy. Yeah. And yeah. I like that. I like the idea. I really do like the idea of an empathy stat. I think that's a great mm-hmm. stat. It sort of combines wisdom and charisma in a very interesting mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. Uh, because you're sort of saying like, what do you understand about? 
the world and how other yeah. people feel and feelings yeah. and emotional uh, intelligence. Mm. And that can also correlate, it can correlate to being persuasive or being diplomatic yeah. or being a good liar. You know, yeah. it, it can be mm. manipulated to do all those things. And so I, mm. I think that was, uh, I really like that mechanic. Mm. And let me just say before we move on mm -hmm. uh, that the, I really enjoyed the one ring too. I, I wasn't able to delve too, too much into the mechanics, mm -hmm. but um, I just love Tolkien stuff and yeah. the idea of being like a character in the, the war of the ring kind of thing, yeah. <laughs> like an outside character. Yeah. It just sounds like such an amazing experience and I hope one day we, we get to do it. Yeah. And that's the what the, that game really does well. Two things. One is the Tolkien feel because it's you know yep. it's it just goes through every fiber of the game. You know the love for Tolkien and and the love of the lore, which is why I said you know basically a Tolkien fundamentalist uh, really <laughs> yeah. really love that game. And also that they don't they you you're not playing Aragorn you know storming the Black Gates. You're not playing right. uh, Sam and Frodo sneaking over the Mountains of Shadow. You know you're. You're, you're a bit off screen over there in that corner, which is un, uh, basically unexplored. And you do some adventures there. I, I really like that. Yeah. But um, um, we mentioned only the, the, the um, free league games. There are, I mean, we play predominantly Swedish games that are released in English. And up till now, that's basically been uh, more or less free league games apart from Cult Divinity Lost. I don't know if you've heard about that. Uh, no, it's a very dark horror game. So it's it. I mean, you can't. What's do, it called? Uh, cult Divinity. Yeah, Lost. cult. Yes, yes. I have heard of Cult. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, that is something we're hoping to run soon mm. on the network for sure. It, it is a great game. It, I think the mechanics are actually PBTA, but it's it's a bit bit more crunchy than PBTA games mostly are. Uh, it's it's a it's a new edition of an old. Yeah, the first edition was written in the early nineties. Uh, but with this new version, it's really taking it to another level, in, in my opinion. It's a great game. It's not the best game for comedy, you know, but it's one of the best horror games out there. I've only played Call of Cthulhu, who comes even close to, you know, really doing... Like, if you want a comedy horror, I, I go with Monster of the Week, you know, always. Mm -hmm. But if you want to yeah. go with dark, dark uh, horror, Call of Cthulhu or Cult. But there's actually, when you talk about the labs stuff... If you want to try a new game, there's a game called Troubleshooters. Hmm. It's based on the Franco-Belgian comics, like Spirou or Tintin, mm -hmm. uh, where you, yeah, you, you're basically a character from, from, those, from those old comics, Franco-Belgian comics of the 50s and 60s. So you're, yeah, it's a little bit of James Bond, it's a little bit of Tintin, it's a little bit of Spirou, it's a little bit of, you know, all that mashed together. And it's, yeah, it's just so, it's a, it has a mechanic called story points. So if you do certain stuff, you will get story points. And you can, then you can spend those to mm -hmm. activate certain abilities you have. So what, one of the big things, big things is if you get captured, because you're basically not supposed to die, but if you get captured and if the bad villain gets to hold a monologue, you get 10 story points. Catching, you know, <laughs> because that's, that's the... That's the that's where you want to be. So then you, yeah, and you cash in those story points, and then you use those ten story points to get out of the laser that's about to you know cut you in yeah, half or that's whatever. That's great. That's great. I really love. That's a that's a big tip for me uh, if you want to do uh, a new game. It's by Helmgast. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, I just wrote it down. I'll have to yeah. check it out. It's the same. Uh, that's the same publishers as published uh, Cultivated Lost. 
Now, where were we? Um, yeah, we already basically answered this. Um, I know, yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't have time to listen to many other actual plays because I'm too busy, you know, producing content uh, for actual plays. Um, uh, were there any you listened to before you started or didn't you know of the phenom phenomenon at all before you started the glass cannon? Didn't know of the phenomenon no. at all before we started. No. Yeah. And then you were so deep into it that, you know. Yeah. When I, I, I the, the closest thing I got was listening to Taz for a while mm -hmm. um, and that was or very early on. on. Yeah. And that's because I listened to my brother and my brother and me before we ever started ah, anything. Okay. And yeah, I, yeah. I loved that show. I yeah. loved yeah, that show. And I thought those guys were just, so funny. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was the closest that I got. Yeah, yeah. What have you, th I mean, of course, it's giving you a, a new job because one of my questions I usually ask people is like, what do you think of the phenomenon? I, I assume you think it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, and the way the technology is allowing everybody to kind of share their stuff and, you know, you don't have to be a professional to break in and everything. It's mm. just, uh, and we benefited from that as well. It's just a really cool time for mm. entertainment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is there something you're working on at the moment that you can uh, give us some some hints about? Is it something like what's what does the future Sh hold? Sure, yeah. So I mentioned Alien. Uh, that's exciting. I'm I'm diving into that right now, writing an original short adventure for Alien. Mm -hmm. uh, who knows? Might might try to turn it into a, a campaign. We'll see. But it's going to air on Glass Cannon Labs March 9th and March 22nd, mm -hmm. uh, and that that should be real. I feel like I want to double check that date before I just say that that's the date, but I, I think that that's it. Uh, double checking. 23rd. So the 9th and the mm -hmm. 23rd. I knew something was off about it. So March 9th, <laughs> March 23rd at 2 o'clock Eastern time, uh, New York Eastern time. What time is that in Sweden? Uh, what is it, 2 o'clock Eastern time. 2 p.m. Yeah, that would be plus 6. That's so, 8 p.m.? Yeah. Yeah. It, so yeah, eight o'clock, prime time. That's uh, prime time. Check it out, yeah. twitch.tv slash the glass cannon. Give it a try. Uh, we have an incredible cast coming in. It's going to be great. Um, I'm also working on our next season of uh, Delta Green. So Delta Green mm -hmm. is probably my favorite game that I'm playing right now um, that isn't, you know, our, our main show, our Pathfinder show. Um, Delta Green is an amazing system that is as crunchy or as light as you want it to be. Yeah. And uh, when it gets into the crunch of, for those that don't know, Delta Green is sort of a... <clears throat> <clears throat> a modern imagining of uh, Call of Cthulhu yeah. with it's a D100 system, but it sort of takes that idea and takes it. It's kind of X-Files meets Men in Black yeah, meets exactly, yeah. uh, a true detective is sort mm -hmm. of the way that I describe it. Mm -hmm. um, it's all about the psychological horrors of investigators as they dig into this stuff, similar mm -hmm. to Cthulhu, but mm -hmm. it's set in modern day and you yeah. are an actual like government, uh, an actual government recognition recognized but still uh like black ops organization that is mm. trying to get rid of mm. cosmic horrors and have the mm. the information never get found out and ultimately the game is never about destroying the thing or even finding out what the thing is the game is about making sure that the knowledge of it doesn't spread and sometimes that means yeah. doing terrible terrible things it's, it's amazing terrible. it puts the players in horrible positions um you know we've had so many seasons where they've just had like they've just like accidentally killed innocent people and then they have to like get rid of bodies and stuff like that and it the the yeah. game mechanics are so interesting and it's so scary and like intense but we also have a great time with it so i started last year their impossible mm. landscapes campaign which is their their exploration of carcosa and the king in yellow as a delta green campaign so yeah. it is very much so a true detective kind of vibe um and that started last season so there's about 18 episodes of that 18 and episodes, we'll, yeah. 
18 episodes of which is part one there's four parts mm-hmm. uh that is part one it aired last year on our patreon uh and it's on youtube if you want to check it out on youtube mm-hmm. it's actually called get in the trunk season four but season four is where we started this Great new campaign title Great yeah. title. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look for it on YouTube. Get in the trunk. Get in the season trunk. Season four, yeah. episode one. Season yeah. four, episode one. You don't are... Google that. Just go straight to YouTube, please. Don't Google that. The algorithms will put you in a box you don't want to belong in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, go straight to the Glass Cannon Network YouTube. But if you start at season four, episode one, that is a new campaign. So you can mm-hmm. sort of start there. There there are some connectives to the previous campaigns, but you really don't need to know it to get started. Right. And so I'm working right now on um, part two, which mm-hmm. uh, will be season five, quote unquote, of Get, of Get in the Trunk. And that should hopefully, uh, I don't even want to say when it's going to come out, later this year. Later this year. Um, yeah. So yeah, those are the two big things that I'm working on. But yeah, a- anything you want to check out with us, you can go to twitch.tv slash the glass cannon. And we always have stuff going on over there. And if you want to follow me, mm-hmm. I post updates on the things that we're working on on Twitter uh, at Joe O'Brien's brain. Uh, if you want to yeah. follow me there. Yeah. Yeah, we'll get to all the uh, the, the links and and uh, handles oh, and all that later. If if I don't, please remind me because that's something <laughs> I sometimes forget when I've guessed, which is super embarrassing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Me personally, I I I'm a huge fan of Androids and Aliens, and also the. I mean, if you want to check out a new game, uh, new game who this is excellent to you know as a first contact with a new game. If you want to check out an AP. Um, unless we've done it, of course. <laughs> no, but you guys are more into, like, you, we keep it very narrative, and if we try a new game, we, we always, you know, mess up too many rules to learn rules from us. Uh, so New Game Hoodies is much better in that aspect <laughs> as well. So, yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, I have one last question from Bjorn, but I think I'm going to finish off with that. It, it, it sounds like a, really like a last question thing. So we'll do my classic uh, short questions towards the end. Uh, so this, these are supposed to be, you know, just a one sentence answer. Sometimes it's interesting to say a little bit more, so don't be afraid to do that. But they're, they're supposed to be short questions. So what is your favorite RPG? Oh, loaded question. Um, Gun to your head. You have to say one. Right now, I would say Blades in the Dark. Listen, oh, oh, great choice. Great choice. Uh, Do you have a preference in genre? You mentioned earlier, like, fantasy and... Yeah, I'd say sword and sorcery, ultimately. That's what I started with, and I still love it to this day. Yeah, I'm with you there, pal. Uh, Music while role-playing, yes or no? Can't play without it now. Yeah, yeah. Once you go down that road... Snacks during sessions, yes or no? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But non-crunchy ones if you're recording it, right? <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I don't do it while recording. Uh, but, man, not recording back in the day, is snacks were essential. In fact, putting a lot of energy into great snacks was very important. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Alcohol during sessions, yes or no? <laughs> well, I mean, that is a loaded question. Yes, uh, but you got to be able to hold it. If yeah. you can't hold your liquor, then like you can't do it. You no. just you just can't do it. Uh, but I've been part of uh, I know some buddies that I played with back in the day uh, banned alcohol in their games just because yeah. it would ruin the games. And I completely get that perspective. But yeah, generally yeah. my friends and I uh, we like to have a few beers during sessions. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, again, I couldn't agree more. Um, GM or PC? Both. I, I really can't pick. Uh, I love both so much. They're so different. 
Mm. Uh, but yeah, maybe GM ultimately, if I had to choose one GM. Yeah. Again, basically the exact same answer I would give. <laughs> like, and also in that order, like, yeah, I can't choose, no, both, yeah. They both bring different things for me. And, but yeah, yeah, sure, gun to my head if I had to pick one, yeah, probably. So the, the last question from Bjorn then is, who really stole neon green that one time? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my lips are sealed. I, I, it's a great question. It's a great question. But if I gave the answer, that would just that would just ruin it. Yeah, uh, I had a feeling got, that was that kind of question. I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, you got to listen to the class kind of podcast. I didn't catch reference, but I was like, this is going to be a no, sorry, can't answer that. Sorry, Bjorn. <laughs> I, I'll tell you what, though, Bjorn, I appreciate you. I appreciate you for knowing that. That's a deep dig uh, of an amazing moment on our show uh, that you have to listen to understand uh, how yeah. amazing that that moment was. And uh, my lips are sealed. I can never tell. I'm sworn to secrecy. There we go, Bjorn. Sorry, <laughs> but you know. So thank you so much, Joe, for uh, for joining us. It's been a blast. Thank you so much. It's uh, many interesting questions and a lot of laughs. And uh, yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, so drop all the links and handles and all that so people will know where to find you. Sure. Yeah. Once again, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at Joe O'Brien's brain on Twitter. Uh, you can uh, follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the glass cannon. Uh, we are on Patreon as well with a lot of the exclusive content. If you want to check that out, uh, we are running uh, Paizo 2E's Quest for the Frozen Flame Adventure Path currently uh, on there. We're also running Rise of the Rune Lords in first edition currently on there if you want to check that out. Uh, and then our Delta Green game is in audio only form all through there. Delta Green actually just released Get in the Trunk Season 1 just released for free as a podcast. If you want to go uh, to your favorite podcast app and search Get in the Trunk, you should be able to come up with our first season of us learning uh, the Delta Green system. It was really originally it was New Game Who Dis. Mm -hmm. And now it's been renamed and there's sort of an exp explanation at the beginning of the feed that's like, this used to be called a different name, but it evolved into a show called Get in the Trunk. So here's the beginning of it for free. Check it out. Um, so yeah, all that stuff is out there. And then uh, and if you like video games or laid back, just like watching a stream, we have twitch.tv slash GCN employee lounge. If you ever want to go to that link, that's where we kind of keep our just really relaxed, laid back, fun stuff that we do that isn't TTRPGs. And it's mm -hmm. primarily video games streaming i'm currently streaming uh dead space the new dead space release on there and it's scaring the crap out of me <laughs> um and troy is streaming skyrim the new remastered skyrim he's also streaming the new remastered dark souls uh so yeah there's, there's a lot of fun stuff on that channel too all right great and you'll send me all these uh, links and i'll drop them in the description text for the podcast and perfect on the social medias and all that Great. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening. And we'll see you again sometime when Sweden rolls once again. You've listened to Sweden Rolls and an interview with Joe O'Brien from the Glass Cannon Network. Please check out all of their amazing shows. There's so much to pick and choose from there. Sweden Rolls is an actual play podcast where we play primarily Swedish games published in English. But we have other goodies out there as well. So... We have campaigns, we have one-shots, we have interviews with game creators, we have so much content out there. So just pick and choose where you want to start. And if you like the podcast, please consider rating and reviewing us on whatever podcast app you're using to listen to this on. And if you really, really like the podcast, please consider joining us at patreon.com slash Sweden Rolls. There we have tons of bonus stuff. And if you join at an Orc Chieftain 
uh, tier or higher, you actually get access to the uh, full-length interview with Joe. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye and farewell.